Wow, good morning, church. How are we this morning? Good? Excellent. Wow. I thought I'd start by telling you a joke. My senior pastor always starts by telling terrible jokes. And so I thought I'd just carry his anointing out to another church. Um, My question is, how many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Does anyone know? Depends how much faith they've got. Only one because their hands are already in the air. Um, But it takes another 10 to pray pray away the spirit of darkness. And so, but the real question is, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? At least 15, at least. One to change the light bulb and another 15 for the subcommittees to determine who's changing the light bulb and who's bringing lunch afterwards. (laughs) Now, I can say these things because there was once a time that I was... Practicing as a Baptist pastor, um, I now work as a Pentecostal pastor. Why? Because I saw how it ended for John the Baptist, and I thought, better get out. Um, no, I'm. That's not why. No, it's good times. It's good to be here with you, church, this morning. Um, this morning, I thought I'd share a little bit about faith and having faith. Now, we all have faith in different things. This morning, I drove the Jesus van to your church. What is the Jesus van? It is my work vehicle. Um, Why do I feel relieved when I drive the Jesus van? I'll tell you two reasons why I drove it. Last night I took a bunch of kids to Youth Alive. Um, Imagine Festival Hall packed. About 5,000 kids, I reckon. 4,500, 5,000 kids were packed in there last night for Youth Alive. How cool is it that our city is packed with young people that love Jesus? How cool is it that your church is baptising five young people? That just fills my heart with joy. That is a six. It's grown. They're doubling. No, um, that is so exciting. It is so exciting. So we packed people full in the Jesus van and we headed across to Festival Hall last night and I'm heading down to Geelong for a prayer meeting this afternoon for um, Blue Moose, which is where we send out young people to do missional work across um, different parts of the state um, to share the love of Jesus. The young person who's sitting next to me this morning is a product of some of that missional work last summer. She came to know Jesus because young people gave up their summer and went out and shared who Jesus was. Um, She's got a great story. You should ask her about it. Why is this exciting stuff? But let me tell you about having faith. Normally, I drive around in my car, and I think I might have shown you a picture of it last time I was in your church. It's a WRX. And when I talk about having faith, every time I hop in that car, I'm telling you I have some serious amounts of faith. Let me tell you why. Last November, when I was actually down at Red Frogs frogging, my mechanic called me because my car was in the shop, and he said, Michelle, you desperately need to change your clutch and your brake pads, and your suspension. And it came with quite a hefty bill, to which I have not done those items on my car. Not out of negligence, but out of a funding issue. And so every time I hop in my car, it is like a faith journey. Will I make it to my destination? Will I not make it? Um, Sometimes we have some serious prayer meetings, the car and I, as we drive. And this car chucks me on the side of the road quite frequently. And I'm playing some bush mechanics on the side of the road. We all place our faith in different things. 
Some rightfully so, some not so rightfully so, like a stupid car that I probably should get rid of. Um, But this morning we will be talking about faith. So before we do that, how about we pray? Let's pray together. Father God, we come into your presence this morning, recognising our brokenness, yet your goodness. And we recognise this morning that in our brokenness that we can be made whole because of your goodness. And we want to come this morning as we open your word. We want you to teach us something new. We want to discover something new about who you are and who we can be in you. So we pray that you would now reveal from heaven more of who you are. Teach us more of who you are. Lord Jesus, may these be your words, not my words. And what is not of you, may it dissipate. And what is of you, may we pick up. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is a critical issue. Now, hear me this morning when I say this. Your eternal destiny is secure if you love Jesus. Nothing can actually separate you from the love of God. However, although God's love does not change according to what you do, your day-by-day success in your spiritual growth And maturity comes down to one thing, whether or not you're walking by faith in Christ and in his power. Um, As you'll find from Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hold on to that thought. Hey, I'm not sure if you remember that book, A Purpose Driven Life, um, and when that came out. It was all the rage probably about 15 or 16 years ago. I remember when it came out, I remember getting my hands on a copy of this book and being like, I'm going to read this book because this book is going to change my life. I'm going to have a purpose-driven life. Um, I think Oprah even was, you know, publicising it. It was selling like hotcakes. Well... I'm not much of a reader. 15 years later, um, it is still sitting on my bookshelf unread. Um, And you know what? My life has not changed from reading The Purpose Driven Life, mostly probably because it's not read. Um, But here's the thing, right? Sometimes we hold on to these things and we think, if I just do this, it's going to change everything. Yet that's not the key issue here, that if we just do some self-improvement. The word says this in Hebrews, remember the leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So it's not so much like imitating what they do. Because I had this picture, right? All these people that I knew were reading this book, right? And they were like great Christians. So it's like if I just imitate what they're doing, if I just do and become, I'll become a better Christian if I do what other people are doing. And sometimes we can fall into this trap, right, of thinking if we simply just tick certain boxes, if we do, if we read the right book, if we read, if we do certain behaviours, we're going to self-improve. Now, those things can be helpful, yes, but that is not actually what is going to change things. Like Hebrews here is saying, imitate their faith, not their actions. And actions are important, but the faith that they're placing and who they're placing their faith in is most important. Not so much what they do, but what they believe. Because it's from what we believe that our actions come if that makes sense. It's that core fundamental belief. Our actions come from what we believe. 
Um, so I run lots of short-term mission trips. And I remember one day we play this kind of game at lunchtime where we sit down, we hot seat someone, we ask them a whole lot of questions about their life and pretty much no subject is off limits. And I remember just asking this question of this young person once, um, and this is a common question, like, you know, when have you had a God moment or, you know, what, what's something, you know, in the last little bit of your life where, you know, Jesus is really kind of you've had this moment and you've had this Jesus moment type thing. Now, I was expecting your kind of more typical answer. However, this guy had come from a bit of a background of drug use and had had some psychosis issues. And so his answer was probably not quite what I was anticipating. So when you had this Jesus moment, so he was just like, he'd had this moment like a psychotic break, right, where he genuinely actually thought he was Jesus. And so he's like um, the story was going he's like I was running and I genuinely thought I was Jesus and so he's like and he's like dead set thought I was Jesus and he's like I had been running through this paddock and he's like I'd stripped off most of my clothes by this point I got to a dam because he genuinely believed he was Jesus he's like I can walk on water and so he's like, I thought I could walk on water. So I just ran straight out into this dam. And he's like, when I got to kind of the middle of the dam and I was covered in water because I could not walk on water, I realised I wasn't Jesus. Kind of an entertaining story, but that was his moment, his light bulb moment that I'm not Jesus. And I was like, okay, that's not quite how I was anticipating you answering the question. But all the same, our actions, like what we believe will dictate how we behave. And that's what I'm trying to illustrate here. He genuinely thought he was Jesus, so he genuinely tried to walk on the water. Um, he had a, quite the wake-up moment. But how, what we think and what we do is how we're going to behave. Does that make sense? If you genuinely think you're, gonna, you're Jesus, you're going to genuinely try and walk on water. You might realise you're not Jesus in that moment, but that's how we do. What we believe is how we will choose to behave because faith is a critical issue. We are saved through faith. Everywhere we look in the Bible, you read that we walk by faith. A real living faith is the key to success in your walk with the Lord. Faith is simply believing what we already know is true. God's role is to be truth. Our responsibility is to believe the truth, uh, whether it feels true or not. So the take-home for today is simply this, to find out what is already true and choose to believe it whether it feels true or not. And your Christian life will be transformed by that when we choose to believe the truth. Um, our faith is effective depending on, depending on what or whom we believe in. Everyone's life operates by faith. The issue of faith um, is that um, is not that we believe. Everyone believes in something or someone. We all have a way of looking at reality um, and, that what we be and believing in something. I guess we make our decisions accordingly. Every decision you make um, demonstrates what you choose to believe in. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you choose to place your faith and your belief in something. For example, this morning, um, normally when I drive to church, I drive through one set of traffic lights. This morning, there was a few more coming down to you guys than coming to my church normally. But let me guess, as you were driving and you came here and you got to an intersection and you saw a green light, I'm guessing most of you just drove straight through it in faith. 
Um, you didn't stop at that intersection and start looking round and second guessing. Um, you probably drove straight through. Why? By faith. You didn't even, you know, stop to double check if the red light, if it was red on the other side. Um, because faith is being sure of, um, as the verse says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11 verse 1. If you didn't believe that the light was red on the other side and that the driver saw that the light was red and that they would stop, what would you do? Of course you'd stop. You'd look around very carefully. You'd even creep across the intersection. But you believed that the light was red and that they saw it and that they would stop. So I work in high schools most of the week um, and so uh, we run lunchtime programs. And I can promise you every new religion that comes along, young people like to try it on for a go. Um, it's like this week I'm a Buddhist and this week I'm a Sikh and this week I'm a... and you name it, they'll try it on. I'm, I practice Wicca and it's like, okay, cool, tell me more. Um, and they will tell you all sorts of different things. It's like they put it on pant... Like, they put it on like a pair of pants, like the latest fashion. Um, I, as I'm sure that you know, many different people that follow and practice different religions and faith. Why? Because we have been created to worship something. We've been created to place our faith in something. The question is, what do you place your faith in? And what do you choose to worship? Or rather, who do you place your faith in? And who do you choose to worship? It's what or whom we believe in, the object of our faith, that determines whether our faith is effective. It's not so much the fact that we believe, but what we believe in. Take Elijah and the prophets of Baal, for example, and this story is found in 1 Kings verse, uh, chapter 18. Both of these guys set up an altar, right? So you've got the prophets of Baal and Elijah in this massive showdown. They both believed that their god or gods would send down fire from heaven to burn it up. But only Elijah had a valid faith object. Baal did not exist, but the living God was real. So what they do is they set up these two altars and they say, like, hey, like... We're going to burn this up. And Elijah says, you call down upon your God to bring fire down, and I'll call upon mine. They have all day. They're calling, they're screaming down from their God. Elijah starts mocking them. It's one of my favourite stories because he gets really crude. Um, he's like, hey, maybe your God can't hear you. They, like, so they're yelling even more. There's 800 of them. They're like, maybe you need to do some more stuff. So they're literally like cutting their arms in like some sort of protest, like maybe if we're pouring out our blood, you'll hear us. He literally gets to the point where he, there's some interpretations of what he's saying. It's like, hey, maybe your God's fallen asleep. Maybe your God's on the toilet and relieving himself that he can't come help you. That's literally where he goes. He's like, he's got the sledging thing down pat. He, he's probably an Aussie, right? <laughs> That's the conclusion there. But nothing happens, right? Because they are not placing their faith in something that's real. So then Elijah calls down calls God. And not just as does he call on God, but he actually pulls a whole lot of water on top of this, um, on top of his altar. And the fire of God comes down, doesn't just burn up the offering, burn up the wood, but the stone and everything in its way. It's all gone. Why? Because God is real. 
That's why Jesus said that we only need to have faith as small as a tiny mustard seed to move a mountain, and that's in Matthew 17, verse 20. It's not dependent on the amount of faith that we have, but whom we're placing our faith in. It's not the power that moves a mountain, but it's God. It's, it's who we're placing our faith in. Jesus Christ is the ultimate faith object. So here's the thing, right? Traffic lights will malfunction. That's not a perfect illustration. Traffic lights will malfunction, of course. Other faith objects will let us down. Our parents, the church, friends. There is only one faith object that will never fail us, and that's Jesus Christ. Why? Because what he did on the cross, because it never changes. Um, Hebrews... Uh, 13.8, I don't actually have this one on the slide, just thought I'd sneak this one in if you have your Bibles with you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is unchanging. What he did when he died on the cross, he cannot change because he is truth. He has never failed and he cannot fail because of who he is. And he has done everything that he says he will do, he will do. And he'll do it again. He's eternally faithful. He is the ultimate faith object. So um, I have a miniature terrorist living with me. Her name is Geraldine. I I think I shared a photo of her last time. Uh, There she is. Uh, She's a seven-year-old miniature Australian standard pony. Um, And that is my niece, Nora, standing with her. Um, So Nora's been taking um, writing lessons with Geraldine. Now, at first... um, You can see uh, in the first photo, I'm not sure if you can see the lead is actually coming towards the direction of the camera. That's because I'm also holding on to the pony. Because when Nora first started coming and playing with Geraldine, she was a little bit nervous and anxious around the pony. Why? Because she didn't have much of a relationship with Geraldine. She had to get to know Geraldine. Um, She had to learn how to handle her a little bit better. She had to build her confidence in that relationship. Um, as you can see in the middle photo there, it's not a perfect relationship. She's still like kind of getting to know her. Geraldine can sometimes be a little bit in your face. But with time, with a bit of confidence, with a bit of practice, as she's gotten to know her and worked out that she can actually trust her a little bit, um, she's quite a lot more confident in you know, walking around with her, leading her, and she can do a lot more stuff and actually hopping on her. And it's a lot easier for Annie Mish when we're doing some slight writing lessons to not hold on to the child directly and try and lead the very stubborn pony that bites my hand while I'm leading her um, (laughs) in circles. Because, you know, as you build your confidence, as you build trust in someone else, you can start to place your faith in them and things start to shift. But that only comes with time and a little bit of confidence. How much faith we have in someone or something and how much faith we have in God is determined by how well we know the person or thing that we're placing our faith in. How much faith we place in God is determined on how well we know God. Every single one of us can grow in faith. Do you want your faith to increase? Well, the depth of your faith is determined by just one thing. How well do you know the one you put your faith in? 
Faith is making the choice to believe in what God says is true and living accordingly. God has given us the option um, to, make, to make up what we believe, right? And so we, we are given that choice. We are given that freedom to choose what we believe in. His role is to be truth and ours is to believe truth and believe in that truth. His role is to be truth and ours is to believe the truth. So there is a limit to your faith, but God is not controlling it. You are. Your faith can grow every time you memorise a Bible verse. Um, Every time, you know, that you speak out truth about what God says you are. Every time you take part in Bible studies, learn more about who God is. But it especially grows grows when you act upon um, the truth that God says and when you act upon what God is calling you to do. That's when our faith starts to grow. You probably all have examples of different times in your lives when God has called you to step out in faith. I thought I'd share a small story of a time that God asked me to step out in faith. So I was... um, I was working, this is when I was working for uh, the Baptist Church, and I was also working for YD, which is a non-for-profit organisation that does the mission trip stuff. And so I was on a faith-based income, meaning people donate um, to your income. And so I was like, I remember at the start of the year, we were talking about this, and we are like, you know, um, about how it's like stretching to be reliant as like a local missionary for people to donate, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember being like, oh, I don't find it that bad, to be perfectly honest. Like, my, um, I had quite a few regular donors, and it was like, oh, no, it's pretty schmick. And I was like, yeah, no, I've got this faith thing sorted. And then, um, you know, I was working for the church, and it was good. And I had this opportunity, and when I say opportunity, it was like a Christmas miracle of baby Jesus from God. Like, that's the only way I can describe this. Um, It was the hand of God and that alone. Um, And I was able, uh, through the provision of God, to purchase my house. Um, And that was because, like, literally my dad was like, no bank will ever give you a loan. They will laugh at you and turn you away, was his comments before I went to speak to a bank. Um, And then I was like, well, I'm going to try anyway. And so I went and spoke to them. And, you know, through, you know, the help and support of, you know, my mum and family and stuff like that, I was able to get, like, a guaranteed loan and purchase a property, right? And so it was literally, like, crazy circumstances God provided, Right? And so I went and did that. And I was like, God, look how great you're providing. And I've got this faith thing sorted. And I'd literally just moved into my property. And I'd been there for like a month or two. And then God was like, hey, I want you to quit your job at the non-for-profit, which was two days a week income. Now, I had only scraped through the line of this purchase, like, like literally by the skin of my teeth. And I was like... God was being quite clear about this. And please don't take this sermon note and be like, okay, we should all go quit our jobs. That's not what I'm getting here. God was being quite clear through a whole set of circumstances and confirmed by quite a few people that's what I needed to do. And I was like, God, how am I going to do this? Like, I'm just struggling to... Like, we only just made it across the line. Like, what are we doing here? Like, you don't provide one thing and then tell me to do another thing. Like, And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to choose... Two, step out in faith and trust you. And he's like, no, no, I've got you. Trust me, I've got you. 
this is what I need you to do. And had I not done that, like, you know, I was getting a little bit burnt in ministry at the time. And so I was like, all right, I'll trust you. And I can tell you, I walked through a season over the next year or two uh, where I cannot describe to you the different ways that God provided for me. I was able to pay my mortgage. Things like all of a sudden I'd get a rebate on an electricity bill, like, oh, we didn't supply power for a certain amount of days to your house. And so, therefore, here's a $250 credit on your power bill. I was like, I don't remember my power going out once. Like, just stuff like this time and time again, God's hand and provision was upon it as I stepped out in faith and continued to give and continued to not let, as, like, in ways that I was just like, God, how, how? How? This doesn't make sense. On paper, this does not make sense. Yet, God is someone who can make a way through financial circumstances that do not make sense. Only he can. God calls us sometimes to do the impossible and what looks like is impossible. But when he asks us to step out in faith, he can make a way. Elijah said... Um, and this is in Kings 1 verse, uh, Kings chapter 18 verse 21. How long will you waver between two options? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Faith is about making the choice to believe what God says is true and living our lives according. By the way, not believing in something does not make it false. Oh, I don't believe in hell. That does not lower hell by one degree, right? It does not make it any cooler down there by simply declaring you don't believe in it. As you try to, as you try living by faith according to what God has said um, is true and find that it works, you get to know God better as we start to live out in that way, as we start to trust God in different circumstances. It would be like if I said to Nora and put, like, little Nora, and I said, put my hands out, and I'm sure you've all done this with a small child as they're standing on a bench or on a chair, and you say, hey, jump to me. At first they're hesitant, but you start close. And then you take a step back. You say, jump again. And when they realise you're going to catch them each time, they keep jumping further and further. We, We never start out here and say, jump. We start closer. Hey, God does that with us as well. He says, hey, trust me in this little thing. Hey, trust me when you tithe this week, even though it's going to hurt a little bit. He says, hey, trust me with this circumstance when you pray over this young person. Hey, trust me with this. Surrender it. Let it go. As we start to trust, we'll see things shift. As we get to know the object of your faith and the reality of how they can be trusted with absolutely anything, you will trust him for bigger and bigger steps. So where are you going to start right now in trusting Jesus? Have you ever wondered how Abraham could contemplate sacrificing his son Isaac? How he'd learnt through experience that God was loving enough and that he could be trusted, that he would provide? Or maybe you think, oh, well, if only I could be like him. Well, it's a simple thing. He started to step out in choice after choice in the little things. This is how it works, right? We don't behave our way into feeling... um, Sorry, let me try again. It works like this. We sort out 
the way we behave and then our feelings will start to follow. You don't feel your way into good behaviours, you behave your way into good feelings. So if we start with the way we feel and let that dictate our behaviour, we'll be all over the place. Can you imagine if like a, like look at little two-year-olds, right? They will, they let their feelings dictate their behaviour all the time. Check them out in the supermarket. They'll let you know exactly how they're feeling and exactly what they want. Um, yet we, we can't live our lives like that and we can't be like that with God either, hey? We don't feel your way into good behaviour. You behave your way into good feelings. So start with believing the truth and then your feelings will follow in due course. For me, this meant learning to listen to God in the little things. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't an easy choice, but it was a daily choice to start to listen to him. Um, in little steps of faith, knowing the sound of his voice when he's asking me to do things, right? The other day I was walking through Doncaster, shopping town and um, I felt like a little prompting from God being like hey remember that kid you met on Red Frogs Um, she works in that shop you should go say hi I didn't know she'd be there I was kind of running late wanted to get to the car other side of the car park to get my car and go home so I was like oh what are you saying here God all right so I walked to the other side of shopping town and walked into Mecca to see if this kid was there lo and behold the kid was not there (laughs) And so I was like, I've just wasted 15 minutes of my time. And as I was walking back, I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? Actually, no, that's listening to the voice of God, whether it has an outcome that I see or not, is not a waste of my time. I don't know. Like, because God is, God is God and he's good, right? So I don't know if I was going to walk out into that car park and be hit by a semi-trailer, right, that was coming. So whether God's just distracted me for a bit. Or I don't know if I was going to run into that kid. I don't know. But I do know listening to the sound of his voice and learning to. Or is God just teaching me to be responsive to his voice for the time that it matters? Right? I, don't, I can't tell you the amount of times I hear the Lord whisper, hey, you need to put more water in your car, Michelle. <laughs> True story. Talking about Dexter. And... I'm telling you, the times that I hear that whisper and I don't respond, I end up on the side of the road and it leads to more problems than it's worth. We learn to listen and become responsive in the little things because then when the big things happen, we can trust and know. You want to know how people learn how to be prophetic and pray over someone and how to trust and know that they're hearing from God? Well, they've learned how to listen to him in the little things, you know, in the little times without becoming you know, hyper-spiritual in, oh, should I brush my teeth, should I not brush my teeth? No, we're given a brain for certain things. But learning to listen to the voice and interact and hear the voice of God. But here's the thing. Um, We all learn to listen to God, and I encourage you to chat to someone if you don't know what that sounds like for you. Um, There's nothing... We can't push our faith beyond... What is, being, what is true of the word of God and from his word. It all comes out from finding out what is true and making real decisions based upon that knowledge. We've got to know the word of God. and We've got to be better embedded in that to understand who God is and to know who God is. Because faith, and here's the other thing, and I don't want to be dismissive of the fact that faith grows in difficult times. 
Most of us can probably think of a time when God did not um, do what we wanted him to do. Sometimes we simply have to admit um, that our understanding of God and what we expect him to do is limited, is too limited for us to know uh, whether we are praying in accordance to his character and his will, uh, whether we're asking him to do something outside of his perfect will um, is not faith, it's presumption. We, we can sometimes not be sure what we're asking of God. But we can, like, does that make sense? Um, and so we've got to continue to pray in faith, but our, our knowledge is sometimes too limited to understand the perfect will of the Father. The question of faith is so crucial. And it's one of God's prime focuses in our lives to help us develop a real living faith that gets deeper and deeper. He will often put us in situations where we can choose to put our faith in him or in something else. Maybe it's a health scare, financial concerns or an uncertain future. In the midst of all of this, God's role is to be truth to declare what is true. And our responsibility is to believe and live according to what is true. Faith, um, faith leads to actions. The words faith, trust and believe in the Bible are all from the same um, word in the original Greek. It's important to know that in English when we say that you believe in something, it doesn't carry the same connotations um, as it is to trust in something, does it? When we believe or trust. But faith is simply, is not simply agreeing with something. It's a reliance and it is demonstrated by actions when we have faith. We demonstrate it with our actions. So no matter what we say, it's what we do that shows what we really believe. That's how we understand it. It's like, you know, we live it out with our actions. Don't just give me your words, show me what you're going to do about it. Um, if you want to know what you really believe, look at someone's actions or look at your own actions. Faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, is dead. Um, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. That's in James. Um, it's kind of like if I was to learn all about a car. If I was to study about how to steer a car, how to change gears, the technical information about the engine, how to engage the clutch, but never actually hop in a car and hop in the driver's seat and drive a car, I could explain to a young person everything about them. I could be like, okay, this is how you put the clutch in, then you start accelerating at this point, you'll feel friction. But if they never actually... I can give them all the technical data in the world, but if you never actually get in there and give it a go and understand how a clutch interacts, you'll never actually... It, it means nothing. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? It means nothing until you actually have... Just like if we have faith, we can have all the intellectual knowledge about faith and talk, talk, talk a big game about it, but until we actually let the rubber hit the road and step out in faith and put our actions into faith, it doesn't mean anything. Now, James isn't contradicting Paul when he says that we are saved and justified by grace through faith and not by works. He, he's not contradicting him when he talks about that in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. He's saying that if you really do believe, it's going to affect the way that you live. It's going to affect the way um, we're going to live our lives according to the faith that we have and according to what, what God has done in us. It starts to change us. 
Um, that's good news for all of us, right? I'll tell you why it's really good news. Um, because there is no one here this morning that cannot become a mature Christian in Jesus. There is no one here who cannot resist temptation. We can all resist temptation. We can all get out of hopelessness. We can all leave behind the negative behaviour of the past influences and we can move on. We don't need some special anointing from God or for others. We can all do this. We just need to know what is already true, believe it, and act on it. Um, so... Here's the thing, right? Um, there is this great app. It's called the Freedom in Christ app. I think I've got a slide there. Um, and inside this app, it has some lists inside it. So you can download this app and it's got inside every day. It has a new devotional. They're written by Neil T. Anderson. And then there's also these lists that are called the truth encounter lists that are inside there. And it talks about who you are in Christ. And so it has these different uh, Bible verses that are just written out, like I'm the light of the world. I'm the do you know those like who, who you are those identity verses and so they're all listed in one spot um, and then the next part of it is they have some declarations about um, they have what's called the 20 cans of success and so they're taking a few different bible verses and reforming them into sentences about you know uh, like who you are and de declarations of like who you are in Jesus and why should you have to fear when you have not been given a spirit of fear but one of power, love and a sound mind. Statements like that. Um, and I would encourage you as an application of this, when we start to renew our mind, because the Bible says in Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do that? We read the word, we renew our mind. Something like this is really helpful. So this year I have been reading almost every day these different lists and it has been changing my thinking and I found it really helpful. So when I start to get negative thoughts now, you know what I've found? And this is without like a conscious thought, all of a sudden one of these verses seemed to pop back in my head and it seems to counteract that thought. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did he do? He quoted scripture straight back at the evil one. He said, no, no, no this is where it's at. And so I've found when I was like, nah, like, and this is probably what's likely to happen today as I leave or later today. It's going to be like that sermon was absolutely rubbish. No one got anything out of that. They're going to be the like types of attack or thought that happens in my head. And you know what's, what I'm going to start to think about? It's like, no, actually, that doesn't matter. Who I am in Christ is more important. I'm new. I'm made afresh. Whether it was good or bad is irrelevant. That doesn't change my significance in Christ because I'm secure in Christ. I'm significant in Christ and I'm accepted in Christ. And remembering those three things is really important. You can find them in the app. There's a daily devotional. There's a whole lot of other resources in there. So I highly encourage you to download that app. But in there is the 20 Cans of Success. And let me read it. I would encourage you to go home, have a look over them, and maybe pick five of them out that might be super relevant to you and to learn them. I've picked five that are really relevant to me right now, and I'm going to read them out to you right now, just as we close. And it says this. I think they're on the next slide. Why should I lack when I know that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus? 
Why should I accept defeat when the Bible says that God always leads me in triumph? Why should I feel alone when Jesus has said he is with me always and will never leave or forsake me? Why should I feel worthless when Christ became sin on my behalf that I might be the righteousness of God in him? Why should I feel like a failure when I'm a conqueror um, in all things through Christ? These are some of the things that you can start to counteract that stinking thinking with and start to believe the truth that Jesus is declaring over your life. Um, There's one last thing I thought I might read to you. Hey, I'm not sure about you. Sometimes we can think and can stand there and be like, hey, that person or this thing has it all together and it sounds like they're cruising through life. I was preparing this sermon and... um, when I was writing it, God said, hey, you're going to have to be vulnerable in that one. And I was like, yeah, nah, thanks. <laughs> I'll be right. Um, and I just shelved the thought. And as I was finishing up writing this, um, I, I'd kind of forgotten that thought about the vulnerable part. And as I was driving home, um, God was like, hey, remember that part about being vulnerable? I want you to share Remember that time you wrote that thing in your diary? (laughs) I was like, not the diary. (laughs) That's a bit rude. And he's like, I want you to share that. And so I'm not sure who this might encourage this morning. Um, And it's not as nerve-wracking sharing it here because maybe I won't ever get asked back, but that's fine. But (laughs) um, sometimes I think we forget God can be really real with us. And we can struggle with something and we forget the authenticity of God. God can take it and God can hold it and he wants it regardless. I'm not a super, I don't know how you do your quiet times, but I'm not super great at journaling. And um, I love to pray and I love to pray on the go a lot and I like to take lots of time to pray but writing stuff down in my prayer journal isn't great and it's probably a little bit reflective how this starts but if you can't tell I'm verbal diarying because I'm nervous but here we go hey god it's me again same time of year it's like I come out to play yet god it's in you I trust lord I don't know how I stand if it's not with you god I don't I don't have anything to offer without you God I want you I want to be more like you Jesus I can't do life without you Jesus I have nothing to give Lord Jesus I need more of you and less of me Jesus I'm sick of doing it all alone I'm sick of all the crap in my life following me around so if you could deal with it that would be great thanks I'm just I'm just a bit over feeling like a piece of Let's just say it says crap um, most of the time. Yet trying to live up to what you want and have called me to be. So if you could change it um, and change that in me, that would be great. Like sometimes I just wonder if um, I'm always the problem or something, God. But what am I without you, God? Who am I without you? God, where would I go without you God yet I feel like I don't know you anymore
Lord Jesus, sometimes the cry of our heart is we don't know you anymore, yet we want you. We want more of you. So, Lord God, this morning we want to come back to the altar, back to a place where we say we want you again and again, Lord Jesus. We don't want to shift away from you. Lord God, we want to believe in the truth of who you are and what you did when you died on that cross. We want to shift our perspectives, Lord. So this morning we want to come before you. We want to come and say, hey, we're sorry from the times that we have walked. We're sorry for the times that we have not lived the life that you have called us to. And we want to come back to you again this morning into your presence. And we want to say we are choosing to believe the truth that you have declared over our lives, that we are not filthy, that we are loved, that we have been made righteous in you through what you did on the cross, that we have a way forward, that we can break addiction, that we can live in a full full relationship with you, not because of us, but because of you. So Lord Jesus, we are declaring your goodness over our lives again. In Jesus' name. Uh, church has the best.